0: How are we? Are we good? Yeah. If you're not good, it's okay, right? Right. God's good. God. God is still good in the midst of that. It's just good to be authentic and to be real. On April 3rd, 2004, I stood on a stage next to one of my pastors waiting for the doors in the back of this large room uh, to open up. I had this big smile on my face as I waited in anticipation, and as soon as those doors opened up, I saw my bride walk through those doors. My eyes began to be filled with joyful tears, and I just kind of, like, bounced, you know? I just couldn't stop doing that. There's a video of me, and I just couldn't stop bouncing, and the pastor says, bro, are you okay, right? And so, man, it was just, it was one of those things I just couldn't help, but this beautiful woman was walking my direction to be my wife. Uh, this lady that had finally said yes to go on a date with me, right? The lady that that I had gotten to know, the woman that I had fallen in love with, was walking towards me so that we could say our I do's. And I just remember at that moment being so in love with her. Men, I'm going to help you out with this. Say yes to this next question. Men, you remember that, right? Okay, there we go. And now we've been married and doing life with each other for more than 15 years. And I look back at that moment where I was smiling, where I had tears in my eyes, I couldn't stop bouncing. The moment where we came together as one and I think about the love that I had for her at that moment. And I smile because now I realize that that was just the beginning. Because the more time I spend with my wife, the more I know my wife. And the more I know My wife, the more I love her. And the more I love her, the more I'm driven to be a better husband and friend and partner and father to our children. My time with her, me knowing her, me loving her, it drives me to to grow and to pursue her and to know her more and to love her more. It drives me to grow as a a husband and as a man. It it drives me to live in such a way that I show my love for her. It's about that relationship. Relationship. Now take that picture and magnify it. My relationship with my wife comes before all other relationships in my life. Before my kids, before my work, before the church. Comes before everything except one. And that's my relationship with my Lord and Savior. Our number one relationship, our number one love is to be with God. Because our relationship with him will affect everything else. And here's the thing. The more time I spend with God and grow in my walk with him, the better husband I'll be, the better dad I'll be, the better pastor I'll be, the better friend and neighbor I'll be. So here's the point. Our relationship with God is vital. Our walk with Jesus is is vital. And that relationship with our, with our God is one that we must continue to pursue and grow in. And we have to spend time with Him, know Him, and love Him. For the past few weeks, we've been in a series titled, Focused. Uh, it's a time for us to be reminded and refreshed as we look to God's Word and just stay focused on who God has called us to be as followers of Christ and as a church at Authentic Life Church. The mission and the focus of the church isn't something that's left up to opinions, right? We need to be reminded of that when we walk into authentic life church or whatever church people are meeting at on today, man, you don't walk into that church and say, man, the pastor says this. And so here's what the vision and the, and the mission and the goal of that church is. It's not up to our opinion. Here's another reminder. It's not up to the change in culture. You don't like the culture. Wait 24 hours. Wait until somebody else opens their mouth. Wait until there's another problem, right? And the great thing about the Word of God is it doesn't change, right? God doesn't change. So our, the mission and the focus of His church doesn't change with us. It doesn't change with our culture or our thoughts because it's clearly laid out for, for us by Jesus Himself and He's the head of the church, it's laid out for us in the word of God. Acts eight. Jesus calls us as his church. He reminds us that we have the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, if you know Jesus this morning, then you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you that, that empowers you and equips you and us as we follow his mission. He reminds us that we have what we need. You want to be the church that God's called us to be? We've got what we need, right? As we follow Jesus. To be the church Jesus has called us to be, we have what we need. And here's the mission. Jesus has just stated in Matthew 28 that he is the authority, right? He is the authority. And so we submit to him because he's the authority. Matthew 28, 18, go. Therefore, because I have the authority, I'm telling you what to do and go as you do life, as you go out in the missions, as you go to work, as you are a husband, a father, a dad, a mom, a sister, go and make disciples of all nations. Tell other people about Jesus and help them follow God, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And then he says, lo, remember this. Jesus says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the, that's the focus. That's the mission of the church. And so we have a statement at Authentic Life Church that helps us pursue and live out that mission. It helps us stay focused. And it's this, we exist to connect people to Jesus. Grow together and live authentically for him. Two weeks ago, we focused on the first part of that statement, which is really sharing the gospel and telling others about and connecting people to Jesus. And church, here's the thing. We can never lose sight that Jesus commands us to tell others about him and to share his good news with them. Are you with me? Man, we are not functioning as the church if we ever stop doing that. Last week, we took time to focus on the together part of that statement. And here's the big idea. When we come to know Jesus, we are now brought into the family of God and it is God's design for us to walk through life together. Nobody's here by accident today. Right? God calls us to be together, to be united, to be in prayer and in partnership and to serve and to worship together, to learn and grow together. And He does that a lot through the local church, right? You will not, here's the reality, you will not find a healthy follower of Jesus You will not find a a, a committed follower of Christ in the Bible, in the New Testament, that is not committed to the local church. You won't find it. So doing this life together is part of God's design. We need to stay focused on connecting people to Jesus and and being together. And this morning, we're going to bring our attention back to that word right before, which is growing. And we simply titled this message today, Growing Growing. Right, But Levi and I were talking about that. We could have easily titled it learning or following or being transformed or or pursuing Jesus. We could use the theological term sanctification. Right? We could have gone through all of those. Any words that point us to the reality that God calls us to grow. He calls us to grow. When Jesus saves us, when we come into that relationship with Jesus, He brings us into the family of God. The goal was never for us to stay like babies in the faith you guys realize that he never saved you for you guys just to stay where you are often we get saved and, and sometimes we live like we've accomplished all we need to I mean, i'm saved i'm going to heaven i'm good i'm just going to check out and be good with that but first peter 2 2 tells us like newborn infants think about newborn babies desire he's telling us like them desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation newborn babies desire milk why so they can grow, right? So they can be healthy, so they can mature and develop. So we too, we are to desire to grow and desire the word of God so that we can grow and be healthy and mature and develop as followers of Jesus. Are you with me? That's the goal we're going to be talking about today, to, to grow. Throughout the Old New Testament, you'll, you'll see that. Throughout, throughout the word of God, that as we walk with God, we are to pursue God and grow and mature and be strengthened as we follow him. And the Holy Spirit helps us with that and leads us in that. And that leads us when we grow when we follow him that leads us to living in a way that is pleasing to him. Over the next 2 weeks we're going to be talking about two things that go hand in hand when it comes to pursuing Jesus. It's growing and living. Growing pursuing Jesus in such a way that we grow and that we and that we live This week we're going to be talking about growing and next week we'll talk about living for him authentically and him living his life through us and what that life looks like. But it all flows out of our life with Jesus. At the beginning of the message, I shared that the more time I spend with my wife, with Jessica, the more time I spend with her, husbands, listen up, the more time I spend with Jessica, it leads me to know her more. And when I know my wife more, That that leads me to love her more. I just can't help it. I just love her more than the more that I know her. And the more I love her, the more I want to pursue her and grow in that relationship with her. Are you with me, everybody? Right? Ladies, too, do that, right? But now think about it this way. With our relationship with God and our walk with Jesus. The more time we spend with God, the more we know God. The more we know God, you can't help but love God. And the more we love God, the more we want to pursue Him and be with Him and learn from Him and live for Him. It's our love from God. It's that relationship that just changes us. It's that relationship and that love for Him that drives us to follow Him and grow in that walk with Him. Jesus says in John 14, 15, If you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so we spend time with Him intentionally so we can get to know him more and more and out of getting to know him more and more we grow right and it 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 helps us it leads us to love him more and more and it's that love for him it's that love for him that leads us to follow him and listen him and, and obey him and live for him are you with me church man it starts with knowing spending time with him and knowing him and loving him and it's because of that love for him we grow and we follow him but here's the truth you cannot grow in your walk with Jesus until you first know Christ, until you know Jesus. That's the first step is to know Christ. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus Christ? And let me just lay this out here. We talk, of this, talk about this a lot at Authentic Life, don't we? Right? Because we exist to connect people to Jesus. The only reason we exist is because of him. This isn't a Sunday morning religious question. This isn't something that like somebody says, hey, you got to check this off the list this week. This is a great question. Do you know Jesus? That's an eternal question. And it's one we should ask every single week because God brings people in here every single week that might not know Jesus Christ. So has there been a time in your life where you have realized that you were broken and that you are a sinner in need of a savior? Has there been a time in your life where you saw the the brokenness and the messed upness and the, 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 the dirtiness in your life and you knew you couldn't fix it on your own? You know, religion teaches you that, hey, let's do this and do this and do this. And once you accomplish this, then you're good in God's eyes. You don't see that anywhere in God's word. I'd love for you guys to show me that you don't see it anywhere in God's word where it says, if you do these things, then you're okay with God. God said you can't. So I came for you. Jesus came for you because He loved you. He came to save you. He came to restore you. He came to bring you into a relationship, into the family of God. He came to die on the cross in your place and be buried in your place and to rise again. And here's the reality. If you believe in Jesus, not if you go to church three out of four times a month, not if you read your Bible, you know, 30 minutes a day, not if you listen to K Love, you know, most of the time when you turn your radio on. Not any of those things. Those things come out of our relationship with God. But if you believe in Jesus, right? And you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, you can have eternal life with him. And so before we go any further, here's the question Do you know Jesus? Not are you religious. Do you know Jesus? I want to pray about that right now. Can we do that real quick? Father, we love you. God, you tell us in John three sixteen, for God so loved us. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son. God, the son, and that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God, you saw our condition. You saw where we were. You saw that we needed you. You saw the sin in our life. You saw us reject you. But you said, because I love you, I'm sending Jesus and nothing's going to stop him. And Jesus died on the cross for my sins and everybody's sins in here, whether they know you or not. You died for their sins. And you were buried. And you rose again. The third day, according to scripture, God, we ask, father, that you would draw those in here, those that are far from you, those that don't know you as their savior. We pray, God, that you would, that you would call them to follow you. God, we pray, Lord, that you would save them today. If there's anybody here today, God, that does not know Jesus as their savior, we pray today that they would hear from you today and they would respond and say, you know what? It's not about being religious. It's not about doing this or this or this. It's about knowing Jesus and everything builds off of that. So God, if there's someone here today that does not know Jesus as their savior, we pray today that before they leave at the close of this sermon, God, that they would respond and follow Jesus and begin that life with Christ. We give that to you in Jesus name. Amen. When Jesus came and he lived, one of the things he did was he modeled for us a life and lived a life that he calls us to pursue. You ever, uh, maybe I'm dating myself. You ever have the the bracelet that said, what? WWJD? What was that? What does that mean? What would Jesus do, right? It became kind of trendy after a little bit, and I had friends that didn't even know about God, and they were like, yeah, what would Jesus do, right? And it just kind of became a thing, but that's the reality, right? What would he do? His life was lived in such a way, and he calls us to pursue that. Ephesians chapter five, Paul writes that we're to be imitators of God. We're imitators of a lot of things. Are we imitators of God? We were made in his image, right? We were made to be with him. We were made to pursue God and to live a godly life with Him. And so we can look at the life of Jesus and we imitate Him. I like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, because we say growing together, right? So Paul is following Jesus. And he's growing in his walk with Jesus as he's imitating Jesus. And he says this to the church at Corinth. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. So this shows pursuing Jesus and growing isn't just about us, right? But it's about others that God puts around us. We need each other, church. That's the reality. We need each other. That's the idea of growing together in our vision statement. We grow and we, uh, we pursue Jesus and we invite others to do the same. It becomes contagious, doesn't it? I mean, you just get around each other. And the Bible talks about that a little bit. Encourage one another to grow in their walk with Christ, right? We're together and united as we follow Jesus and we grow. And I love this passage. It helps us understand this idea of pursuing and growing to be like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 We all, with unveiled faces, those that know Christ, those that are saved, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. Do we catch that? We're looking at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into His image. Let me make a statement here real quick, and I want to make sure we get catch this. We become like what we behold. Whatever we set our eyes on is what we pursue and what we begin to look like. If that's the corporate ladder, we begin to look that way, and that's that's where we set our eyes on. Right, Whatever it is, we become like what we behold. So Paul is saying here, as Christians... We are looking at our Lord, and as we look at Him, as we keep our eyes on Him, we begin to look like Him. And the more we look to Christ, the more we look like Christ. Isn't that great? The more we look at Christ, look to Christ, the more we look like Christ. And that's the goal as we grow. You're not going to hear me say today anything about growing in our walk with Christ. About, no, don't get me wrong. We want, we want to serve. We want to be used within the body. We want to do all those things. We want to do things. But it's out of our relationship with Jesus that we do that. We're our focus today. Our, our finish line is going to be to look like Jesus. It's to keep our eyes on Jesus so that as we live and learn and grow and pursue, we look more and more like Him. And we look more and more like Him in how we think and how we act and how we love and how we serve and how we live. So we keep our eyes on Jesus and we pursue Him. We imitate Him. We grow and mature to be like Him until, church, we are with Him for eternity. And Paul addresses that, the idea of spiritual growth and pursuing Jesus. Becoming more and more like Christ in Philippians chapter 3. Would you guys turn there with me? Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 6. Church, there's just something about having the Word of God in your hands. So if you have that, I just encourage you to open that up. Would you guys stand with me as we read that together? Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 16. And Paul is going to talk about his own life as he talks about growing in his walk with Jesus. And then we're going to look at some takeaways to help us as we're pursuing and growing in that area. So just to honor God, we're standing. Let's read his word. Just follow along as I read. Romans, or excuse me, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it. Or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, talking about the the, the church, brothers and sisters in Christ. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. God, as we just open up the word of God this morning and listen to you, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would keep our eyes on you to become more like you so that we can change the world around you as you live through us. So God, be in charge today. As the song said before, word of God, speak. And here's my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. And be seated. So Paul, as he's writing this, Paul is using some athletic language he uses the analogy of a of a runner to describe a a christian spiritual growth and he's saying here that he has not reached perfection means he hasn't accomplished his goal yet which is to be fully grown in christ to be complete in in spiritual maturity Right. Think about that person that, you know, that's the most spiritual and the most godly, most mature person, you know, they're not there yet. Right. Paul is saying that if you don't know about Paul, he has one of the biggest life changes we have ever seen. Right. Paul was a very religious man. In fact, he would kill and persecute the church in the name of God. Right. He was he's one of the out of his big life change. You're going to see that he had rejected Jesus. And so he pursued he persecuted those that were following Jesus. He was a persecutor of the church. He would go in homes and and drag them out and oversee people being stoned and put on trial and thrown into prison. And now we know him as a man used by God to, 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 to share Jesus with others and to plant churches and to help others grow. God even used him to to write much of the New Testament. This book that we're reading, God used him to write this. And this guy, think about this. This guy has done so much for Christ. God has done so much through him. And he's saying, I've not reached perfection yet. But notice what he says in verse 14. But I press on. That's important. To press on is a term used in that time to describe a runner. And it means to pursue or run after the goal with all you have. So Paul knows Christ. God saved him, right? He's saved, but now he's saying that, I, hey, I still need to grow. I still need to pursue Christ. And he says that he must press on. Here's what he's saying He says, I must pursue Christ. That's the first note. I must pursue Christ. You know Christ, and then we must pursue him. In Paul's pursuit of Jesus and to be fully mature in his faith, Paul is saying, I'm not there yet. Right? I'm not there yet, but I'm wholeheartedly pursuing with all I have. I'm running after a life that is pleasing to Jesus. A life that is Christ-like. Paul wanted to live a life that looked like Jesus. His eyes were on Jesus. He was imitating Jesus until he could be with Jesus. Here's the thing we do sometimes. Too often we know Christ and then for some strange reason we check out. We sit on the sidelines. We get comfortable. That's not God's design for your life. That's not His will for your life. That's not the life Christ has for you. Our life, Paul says, is to pursue Christ and all that He's called us to. He's called us to be with Him. He's called us to imitate Him. He's called us to be with His family, to be with the church, to share the gospel. Then he says in verse 13, brethren. So he's speaking to us, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, hey, church. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So as we focus on that, we focus on pursuing Christ. Here's what I'd like us for do this morning, for us to do this morning. Look into God's word and we see Paul's example. I want us to, to look at three things, three things in regard to our lives and our pursuits of spiritual growth as we pursue Jesus. So that's what Paul does here. He's going to lay out for us in these two verses a a description of his own spiritual growth. To be who Jesus wants him to be. So we're going to do that. You guys good with that? We're going to do that this morning. We're going to be intentional about pursuing Jesus and growing. And Paul says this in verse 13. He says, I do not regard myself as as late as I'm going to get there. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. That is not proper English. We're going to have to fix that. right? No, but that's, that's what he says. I, not re, I, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. The first thing that we see from Paul re, regarding his pursuing Christ is this. We need to have an honest assessment of our current condition. Have an honest assessment of our current condition. Paul says that he does not regard. Okay? Regard in the Greek word is lagizomai. Right? You say that with me, lagizomai. Right? Yes, just spoke Greek. It means to count, to to calculate, or take things into account. Here's what he's doing: he's making a careful assessment of himself. Right? As he walks with Christ, he looks into that mirror. He comes to a conclusion, and what he sees, where he's at, he's not satisfied. God, I want to be like you. I want to be. I want to pursue you. I want to imitate you. I want to grow into what you want me to be. But I'm not there yet, and I'm not happy about it, right? But it's not in a shameful kind of way. He's not beating himself up. He's just being realistic. He's just being accurate. And if Paul would have been satisfied with where he was at, he would have, he would have never continued to chase, right? He would have never sought more. And that happens in our life sometimes. We get satisfied. I'm going to use a word. We get too comfortable. We get too comfortable. And here's the thing with Paul. If he's looking at his walk with Christ... Man, he's got biblical knowledge, right? He's got good understanding of the word of God. He's and he's looking at his own life and where God wants him to be. And he says, church, I'm just not there yet. I think it's fair to say that we haven't gotten there yet either. Right. I think it's I think it's fair to say. Paul knew he had to continue to trust Christ. He knew that he needed to to learn and, 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 and be with him and be in the word. He took an honest assessment of his current condition. And with his eyes on Jesus, he says, church, I'm not there yet. Here's the question if you are if you or I were to take a good look at our walk with Christ and our time in prayer and our time in the Word of God and our time together as a church, and we're seeking to learn and understand, if we were to take an accurate assessment, an accurate look at ourselves in the Jesus mirror, would we be satisfied? I hope not. I'm not satisfied, right. Again, it's not in a shameful way. It's not in a, hey, you're no good, Jeff, right? It's not like Jesus saying, you're you're no good. But it's one of those things where we can actually live authentic and say, here I am, Lord. This is where I am, right? It's that kind of way that we do that. This is me. This is where I'm at, Jesus. Because when we have that honest assessment, we know where we need to go next. And we can begin to ask God, how do I move forward to be more like you? But if we don't have an accurate assessment of where we are, we can't. Are you with me, church? Okay, I want to make sure you guys are tracking with me, alright? So we we need to have that that accurate assessment of where we are. There might be people in here that say, you know what, I'm good. I'm good. I got this Jesus thing covered. I'm no longer in need of growth in my life. I want to remind us of, of Peter. Peter was a man that followed jesus he walked with jesus he lived with jesus he served with jesus he was a leader amongst the 12 disciples and i think peter kind of had a he looked in the jesus mirror and says i'm good i'm where i need to be at and right before jesus was arrested to go and die on the cross peter makes a statement he goes he goes this is my current condition jesus right lord with you i am ready to go to prison and to death that's where i am jesus and then a few verses later when jesus was arrested peter fled And denied he even knew Jesus. Here's the great thing. Here's the great thing. God didn't look at Peter and say, that's it man, you're out. Right? No, God used that situation to show Peter that he still needed to grow, that he still needed to pursue Christ. That moment right there gave Peter an honest assessment of where he was at. And Peter grew and was used by God in some mighty, 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 mighty ways. So to grow, we have to have that accurate estimate of where we are currently. Now, here's what I'm not saying. We don't have an accurate assessment of where we want to be. Right? That's not what we're talking about. Sometimes you think, man, I, I'm worried about what others think about me. So that's what's important. Not where you tell others you are, but where you are currently, authentically, really in your walk with Jesus Christ. Then here's the reality. Don't beat yourself up over that. Right? Right? If that was the case, we would all need to beat ourselves up. Are you with me, church? Man, we're we're just not there. But rejoice that you are where you are in your walk with Christ and be ready for that next step and for God to show you where to go next. Are you with me, church? So we need to be real and honest with ourselves as we look into that Jesus mirror. And so have an accurate and honest assessment of your current situation spiritually. And second, is when we look at our life, we need to place the past in its rightful place. Paul says this. He says, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. So place the past in a rightful place. Paul's saying this, I have all these things that I've done for you, God. I have all these things that you've done with me. I've got all this time that I've spent with you. I'm growing, i planted churches. You're going to use me to write the word of God, but I haven't laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind... What does that mean, forgetting what lies behind? Does Paul mean that we should forget just everything in our past? Does that mean we should just forget all of our sin in the past and we forget the mercies and the provisions from God in the past that are just to be forgotten? Does this mean that we just forget about how God has used us and worked with us in our life? That word used here in the Greek means obviously to forget, but the Greek word also means to neglect or to no longer care for. To no longer care for. Paul is is still using the illustration of a runner. In a race. Anyone ever run track? Right? Anybody ever sprint? Okay? I remember as a sprinter, my coach telling me clearly, don't you look back. Right? That will be laughs for you, man. You, you look back. Don't look back. Don't get comfortable. Right? Don't start looking around or looking behind you. We all know the story of the tortoise and the hare, right? Anybody not know that? Okay, I think we're good. Young people, do you guys know that story? Okay. Notice I'm asking the young people. This is great. Wow. Okay. The hare, the rabbit, he's quick, right? He has a a quick start. He's he's blowing away the turtle. That is until the rabbit gets comfortable. Right? Until the rabbit begins to get cocky and, and prideful and he rejoices in his accomplishments so far in his race. And what happens? That turtle, although slow, was was steady. He was consistent and persistent. He didn't worry about the other runner. Sometimes we look at others around us and we're like, man, they're way ahead of me. Right? He wasn't worried about that. His eyes were on the finish line. He never looked back. He just kept pursuing that finish line. Church, we don't forget our past as in like we just filed away like it never happened. That's not what Paul's saying here. In fact, Paul in Philippians and throughout the word of God talks about his past. Paul talks about his accomplishments. And he talks about his sin. He talks about what God has done in his life. He talks about where he's fallen short. But when Paul talks about his sin, it's not like an oh, poor me, woe me sort of way. Right? He's speaking of where he was in his sin and how God transformed him into where he is now. Right? When he talks about his accomplishments in the past and in this place and other places in Scripture, it's not in a self-praising or a, a brideful post, a bride, brideful? I'm going to get there, people. Prideful boasting. But they were in ways to show what God had done. Not what Paul had done. But what Christ had done in his life. It's just that Paul is saying, my race is still going. My race is still going. I know I've got sin in the past. I know I've got things. I've got things that are weighing me down. I've got this guilt. But I can't stop. Right? I can't be content in what God has already done in my life. Those are two things that stop us, aren't they? Man, the sin in our life or the accomplishments. For many Christians, maybe you're here in this room today and you you see sin in your life or you see moments of weakness and you just kind of think, "Man, I can't God can't use me. There's no reason to keep growing." You just want to stop. But let me just lay this out there. Don't don't listen to Satan. I just want to let's just throw that out there. God is still calling you. From where you are right now and he can use that sin and that brokenness in your past to glorify him. Just know that. So we just put your eyes back on him and pursue Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you said, you know what, I've served well. I served well. Maybe you can say, man, I can tell stories about how God did great things in my life and here's how he used me in my ministry. But church, guard against that temptation to just stop paddling. Guard against the temptation to just live off of the past. We can do that as individuals. We can do that as a church body. We can say, you know what? Man, I've really grown. I've done some cool things for Christ. God is, has used us as, as a church. God has used me as an individual. I'm just going to live off of that. I'm going to be comfortable. I'm just going to stay right here. I'm just going to sit back and be happy in what we've done. Church, let's not be content. Let's not be content. Let's not stop mid-race. Yes, there are opportunities to rest at times, right? Right? And we need to be wise in that to to take some rest and to not run ourselves empty. But a rest is different than stopping and being content and getting comfortable. It's different than pointing back to your past and saying, I can't go on because of my past or being content in that. Let's be a church and let's be a a people that say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done in in my life and through us. So what's next? What's the next step? It's so easy to get distracted by, by our here and now and even get distracted by our past that we stop looking forward. So to pursue Christ, we begin with an honest assessment of where we are, and then we have the past in its proper place. And then the third thing we learn from Paul in, in God's word comes from verse 13 and 14. Paul says in 13, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Pay attention to that language. The third thing is this, as we aim to grow and learn from God's word and pursue Christ, is pursue Christ with eagerness and passion. Paul says that's his one thing, right? His sole focus, his aim in church, his aim is to be like Jesus and to be with Jesus. Right? He says in verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is is leaning forward like like a sprinter. He's, He's reaching towards that. When you watch the sprinters in Olympics... Those runners, they give it their all. They, they pursue and they aim for that finish line. And they, they, they lean forward. They stretch out, don't they? Right there at the end, they kind of throw their heads forward, right? You ever see that? His goal is to see where he is and pursue that finish line to be like Christ with all he has. His goal is to give his all, to grow into who Christ has called him to be all the way to the finish line, all the way until God calls him home. We look at Paul, we could say, man, you're the guy. That could say, man, I've worked hard. I fought the fight. Yeah, I know I didn't quite finish the race, but, but now it's someone else's turn. But he didn't. He says, until the upward call. Until I'm called home to be with my Savior, Jesus Christ, I'm going to reach forward and press on. I'm going to eagerly pursue Jesus When Paul gave his life to Christ, he knew that he was going to spend eternity with him, not because he was religious, but because he trusted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And so Paul knew because of that, that when he died, know this, if you you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, we have that eternal hope that we will be called up to be with Jesus. Amen? He would be present with the Lord, with the one that made him and saved him. And his prize was not to get the trophy here on earth. It wasn't a plaque. It wasn't fame. It wasn't Facebook followers. Or maybe back in the Bible times, it was MySpace. It wasn't money. The prize that Paul desired was to be eternally in the presence of Jesus and to hear his Lord say, Well done, my good and faithful servants. Paul loved Jesus. Paul pursued Jesus and he said this in Philippians 1 for to me in my life guys to live is Christ and to die is gain and so while on earth I'm going to live for Christ I'm going to let Christ live through me I'm going to pursue him with all I have eagerly and passionately and then one day I will be with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and I'll glorify him forever. Church, we must know Christ. We must pursue Christ, and in doing so, we make much of Christ. We make much of Christ. It's all about Him and it's all for Him. It's not about me. It's not how good the sermon is or how loud I can get or how many times Jamie has to turn me down back there. It's not how many times we have people liking our church on Facebook. It's not how many cheeks we have in the seats. It's not that at all. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so we are to make much of Jesus. Do we live for him? Are we eagerly and passionately pursuing him? And does our pursuit of Jesus point others to him? Do we make much of Jesus? Or do we make much of ourselves? Paul says in verse 15 through 16, let us, therefore, as many as are perfect. So he's in this language, he's talking about those that are mature, those that are growing, those that are mature in their faith. So if you're mature and you have this attitude and if anything, you have a different attitude, if you if you think differently, God will reveal that also to you. God will help you with that. Right. God, he's, he's calling us to be united, church, in our pursuit of Jesus, So even if you're mature in Christ, you may know Christ. We're growing, but we still not obtained it yet. There's not a person in here that's obtained it yet. We still need to know where we are in our walk. We still need to pursue Christ with with eagerness and passion until He returns or calls us home. If you've lived a life for Jesus and you're growing in Christ, He's not done with you yet. It might look different, Right? It might look different. I was visiting with a guy the other day that just said, man, my, my days, he's probably, gosh, 70, 72, 73 years old. He's not pastoring anymore. He's not preaching anymore. But God is still using him in a way to encourage young pastors, right? He's still growing in his walk with Christ so that he can help younger pastors grow in their walk with Christ. He's not done with you yet. No matter where you are, whether you just know Christ or whether you're 114 years old, there's still the call on your life to pursue Jesus, you're still calling your life to be examples for others to see until you cross that finish line. And Paul says, if you've got a different attitude, spend, what, spend time with God. He'll help you out with that, right? Let's just leave that there. But verse 16, in other words, he's telling the truth, right? Verse 16, however, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. He's saying keep living. That's that language of, he's talking about walking in line. Stay in line spiritually. Keep after God's desire for your life. Don't stop pursuing Jesus. Be in His Word. Spend time with Him. Be with His people. Know God. Learn from Him. Love Him. Pursue Him. Our goal, church, is to pursue Christ. Right? To live the life that He's called us to live. Why did Paul pursue Jesus and grow with such focus and purpose? Because he knew God had called him to it. Hebrews 12, 1-2 says this, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, that, that word encumbrance, every burden, every weight. Let us lay aside every burden, every weight. Let us lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Church, the race... At times can be tough. Amen. Right? It can be painful at times. Definitely full of joy. But just as God, or as, as Paul had his struggles, we will too. Here's the thing about Satan Satan will do what he can to slow you down. He will do what he can to trip you up, to make you look around, to take your eyes off of Jesus, distract you. He'll do what he can to put you on the bench. But Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Our goal, our aim as followers of Christ and as a church is to pursue Christ. Growing together. That's God's design that we do it together so that we can live, which we'll talk about next week. Live our lives authentically, genuinely for Him. Church, let us be devoted to Him. To be in His word, to our partnership together. Let's be devoted to that. Let our lives reflect that we are pursuing the one that is worth everything. Let there be evidence in our lives that we are aiming to be like Jesus. When we look at our lives, who do we look like? If others were to look at you, would they accuse you of being a Jesus follower?